It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clint. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the first ever week one of the NFL season Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Clem, alongside my co-hosts, Kevin Langley and Savannah Dean. Guys, thanks for coming in today. It's week one. We got big news today. Zeke and Jared Goff both got their contracts, but Dak didn't. <laughs> um, we got our six-pack, of course. Kevin's got some weird shit in sports, and I may just pull a uh, a last call out of my ass again, so we'll see what happens. Guys, first off, we got two huge contract extensions. We have <laughs> Zeke Elliott taking his talents back to Dallas from Cabo. It was a eight-year deal. Like what the what the shit? And uh, I am like escaping the numbers. Wasn't it 15 mil a year? Uh, possibly. The fact that we don't have this right now is making me cringe. But it's on me because we're starting our recording at 10 o'clock Eastern time, which is just you know on my <laughs> stupidity. Um, it's six years, 90 million. So yeah, 15 a year. Yeah. Okay. So I got the num- Bleacher Report screwed the number up wrong. Uh, basically. Yeah, uh, Zeke caved, and the Cowboys were like, "Hit, hey, okay." So I, I, I love the, I love it for both. If I wasn't a Eagles fan and desperately hating them at all costs, I would love the move because you're looking at now having one of the most dominant running backs in the league back on on your roster. You've signed Leal Collins. You've gotten James. You get most of your young core back, and Dak Prescott, it may be the most overrated quarterback in the NFL, or at least top three in that category, besides <clears throat> Mr. Trubisky. Um, basically, Zeke is the Cowboys offense. When Zeke is on the field, I actually, as an Eagles fan, fear that offense. When it's just Dak, I am like, whatever. What, is he going to try to throw the ball into a tight window with Amari Cooper? We'll be fine. But I, what do you guys think? Basically, this was just it, they needed to sign him, but they got him at a number they could afford. That's the way I look at it. Uh, I agree. I do like though how Jerry Jones has basically formed the great value brand triplets. I think all three players are a slightly worse version, or a much worse version of Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, and Emmett Smith, and it's going oh. to be hysterical. Oh yeah, and. I just I'm, I'll let's let's get into talking. I just 
it's hilarious how they think they're going to be Dak. Like, I mean, unless they're going to get Dak at a value deal, I don't see them paying him the rest of the season. What do you, what do you think, Anna? Um, I think it was a great move for the Cowboys finally signing him. He's literally probably the best player on that team, so they needed it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, and it, unfortunately, it's 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 turned into like you know like it was a whole saga, and it got my hopes up when they were talking about him possibly not playing the entire season. I'm like, don't don't mess with my hopes and dreams, ESPN. <laughs> I think also that I think they don't need Zeke as badly as everyone says they do. Oh, totally. totally. Behind that offensive line, I could probably rush for about 600 yards in a season. Yeah, you can move a little bit. You just got to have you just got to have Amanda chasing you with a a razor. Yeah, she she does not like it when my my sister does not like it when I have a mustache when she comes back from Ireland. But I think like. That line, they could just have draft pick someone up in the fourth round if they w- needed to, and they would have been fine. Oh yeah, and it comes down to the whole fact that I, don't know, I look at everyone's like, oh, running back positions are devalued. If you ask the Pittsburgh Steelers how that theory worked out when they didn't make the playoffs, and basically James Conner fizzled out towards the end of the year, I still think James Conner's a, a solid like B plus running back. But you're talking about a once-in-our-generation type talent, Le'Veon Bell, easily a top-five back regardless if he takes a year off or not. So I think that he's basically one of the reasons I picked the Jets to possibly make the playoffs. So basically, I running backs are being so undervalued right now. That's why I love the fact that Melvin Gordon is going to move, and whatever team he goes to is going to instantly be a closer spot to a Super Bowl. Even if they get him on a one-year rental, Melvin Gordon basically is a top five running back or top 10 at the elite at the most. And he can change the game out of the backfield on the backfield. And this hopefully will open up for some, either the, uh, apparently the Eagles have made, tried to make an offer with the, uh, with the uh, chargers, but they're asking prices of first and a fifth and every other NFL team is like just laughing at them. But I don't know. I think the chargers also realize that, they're not getting any value out of Josh Jack, Josh Jacobs, no, Josh Jackson and Austin Eckler that they were with uh, Melvin Gordon. But on the staying in the LA, actually, good transition. J- Jared Goff, just under the radar, very like Carson Wentz, Eagles contract, uh, Lael Collins kind of contract, like um, what they did with Todd Gurley a couple years ago. Basically, very under the radar. Like, there was no big hoopla about it. It wasn't like this whole Zeke saga with Dak or whatever. It was very under the radar. Nobody said anything. Everyone was just like, yeah, yeah it's cool, whatever. And that's it. It It's it's the way Stan Kroenke's always done business. He's the opposite of Jerry Jones. And I'm all for it. I love the move. I think Jerry Goff is easily a top 10 quarterback in this league. He's a better version of Matt Ryan at a younger age. So basically he'll be better than Matt Ryan is now later down, as long as he doesn't get screwed over by his coach leaving or something. But I am a big fan of the Rams. I think they're going to be probably the second or third best team in the NFC again this year easily. Cause McVay is an offensive genius until you put him up against a head coach that experiences him. <coughs> um, <coughs> Peterson, <coughs> Belichick. Um, basically golf's a good quarterback. I think that him and Wentz will probably be one of the best one, two punch duo quarterback classes in the, like in the last 20 years, but I love 
watching him throw. He's an amazing deep ball. So I think the Rams made the smart choice here, and they kept him out of value, or they keep Gurley and some of their offensive guys. But they got to get draft picks now because half their defense is like in a retirement home. What do you guys think? <laughs> It's a lot I of think, money. Yeah. So there you can go. Uh, I just think it's a lot of money. I think that he deserves a lot of money, but I think $100 million guaranteed is just way too high, way too much. <laughs> I mean, well, Savannah, not all of us can draft, like, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the last 25 years in, like, the end of the first round after having one of the legendary gunslingers of, the, of football ever. But, you know – Jared Goff's not bad since the Rams at one point started Sam Bradford and Case Keenum. Right. And he's the – basically to a quarterback starved – like, you know, they also Jeff Fisher for a couple of years. Let's remember this man ruined Trey Mason's career. That guy was supposed to be a can't-miss prospect. Um, I – I think CTE ruined Trey Mason's career more than I anything. I think just going to Auburn also ruined Trey Mason's career. But, you know, <laughs> it's <Not> just <laughs> – Okay, I knew you'd appreciate that one. But basically, I look at it like this. You know, you got to pay your quarterback. And if he's anywhere above the top 14, 15 guys, you got to pay him. Like, show me. I mean, the quarterback class, yeah, you get Justin Hebert. But the Rams aren't going to be in any position to go get Hebert unless they trade half their team away to go get him. Or if they go get Tua. Or um, who's the other draft pack quarterback in the draft? Oh, um, Fromm. Jake Fromm. Even if they get Fromm. If you, you you really think that Fromm is going to uh like make up for that? I just I don't see it and I kinda I see why they made the move they did to go and get go and get this guy locked up and go and sign him. So I like the move. Yeah. I, really I don't I think this was the only option they had with like you said, Jared, their defense is so old, but their defense can still produce. They're in a win now mode. And oh. they oh. they couldn't get a better quarterback on the open market for the money they wanted to pay him or the age they wanted him at. They wouldn't have been able to draft one of the top three quarterbacks you mentioned. And I, this deal isn't as much, okay, right now, Jared Goff, you're worth $100 million guaranteed. It's, Jared Goff, you're still young. In two years, you will be worth $100 million guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can see. That's a good that's a good point of view. Like, I guess I wasn't thinking about it like that because I look at it as, like, Aaron Rodgers has all this talent. And he gets a hundred and eighty million dollar contract, but only half of it's guaranteed. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you I also wasn't looking at that way. Oh, boo hoo! Aaron Rodgers is only getting ninety million guaranteed. His <laughs> well, life is also, so hard. Also, you got to realize, Savannah, that's actually one of the Packers' point of view because your boy gets hurt. It's it's yeah. not like golf. Like his skinnier golf hasn't gotten hurt yet, so maybe that's why the more guaranteed money. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers does have – I mean, your your best friend, Anthony Barr, pretty much knocked him out for a season. But basically – I don't know if that was too early to bring that up yet. But basically, uh, <laughs> I just – I get the point. I get – you got – I'm always about paying – you always build a team from the outside, the inside out. It's always center, quarterback, halfback, D-tackle, linebacker, safety. That's the way it's always been, offensive line, defensive line. And then you fill in the outside and later rounds in the draft because wide receivers and quarterback – wide receivers, you basically could find Antonio Brown in the sixth round if, you're, if your scouting is good enough. But basically, it's yeah, – I, I agree with the move. But uh, now, Savannah, you got to keep yourself composed here because we're going to talk Packers-Bears. And – Ladies and gentlemen, for the first, if for all you've been listening to this show, for we are now in season two officially. 
we were almost running on our one year one year anniversary. I'm gonna I'm gonna send Mark some flowers. Uh, basically, I've never rooted for the Packers, and it's not anything against their fans. I love the whole shtick. I love the fact that the, the town owns the team. That it's a small market. It's the last surviving like old school like small city big team. I love Brett. I love Brett Favre. I love the gunslinger whole thing. Like Carson Wentz is like idolized Brett Favre, and I love watching the fact that Carson Wentz plays like Brett Favre sometimes. It's hilarious to me. The, the picks I can do without, but you know whatever. Basically, the Packers drive me crazy because Aaron Rodgers is kind of a prick. To be fair. He, he, it's his, his personality. But then again, he's the most talented quarterback in the league. So it kind of comes with the territory. Also, I'm still not forgiving for knocking my Eagles out uh, the year that Michael Vick went absolutely ape on the entire NFL. But moving forward, a certain belt co-worker of me and Kevin and Savannah's at Belly Up has been driving me up a damn wall about the Bears all offseason. And... I have never wanted a team to go 0 and 16 until now. <laughs> God, I, you know, I just want Savannah. I am praying that like your boy lights up the second their secondary for like five touchdowns. Good, I I would love that. Oh, I know. I mean, I might draft Jimmy Graham as my backup tight end, so I'd love that even more. But basically, this game, I think people are way too high on the Bears. And I come, I look, I roll back to what they lost on their defense. Everyone's like, oh, they still got, they still got uh, Eddie Jackson. All right, first of all, some of Eddie Jackson's picks were lucky as hell. You will go back and look, you guys know me, I'm a Phil junkie. I watched so much stuff on him from the NFL Top 100, his highlights, his whatever. Some of those picks were just airmailed balls. They weren't like he like Ed Reed the ball and just like mossed the kid and then came down and then ran back to the house. Some were gift wrapped. Khalil Mack is the one guy on that team who deserves every praise he gets. That man may be the best pass rusher I have seen since Michael Strahan. And it ain't even close. He smokes Von Miller. And because and Kevin knows why, because of Madden, I have a love affair with Von Miller. Basically, I am blown away by this man. I think he is a unbelievable like tight end uh, tight end. I think that he defensive end sorry basically i look at this whole game and i see the overly hype about the bears but nobody goes back and looks at the tape and is like huh wait a minute um why the hell is nobody talking about the fact he had four in Mitch trubisky who is the center of the overhype machine basically the defense one has holes in it where I can keep going on about that, but we're going to go like to the offense here quickly before I let the, the, my co-hosts get their shots in. Basically I look at the bears and I see a quarterback who had four interceptions dropped. Two of them could have been run back to the house against Philadelphia in the playoffs. He had one lucky throw that basically if that everyone's bawling their eyes over, but honestly it's, he's supposed to make the throws an NFL quarterback. And Jake, uh, the guy they ripped apart, Cody Parkey, made – oh, shit. I am on the clock again. Sorry, folks. I uh, was asked to do another uh, uh, draft, and um, I am a horrible host for it. Basically, uh, Cody Parkey scored 90% of the points in that game, except for that one Allen Robinson touchdown. And 
people want to act like it is something you can ignore. And I I laugh at it because everyone's ignoring the basic fact that the Bears are – they're banking that the Bears are going to have this huge season. But all the signs point to Trubisky having a fallback. And I think the, the Packers, even though they may not win this division and they may not get – to like the NFC title game, they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card team, basically because they're a better quarterback, they're competent enough on defense, and they have a top five receiver. Now, is Jimmy Graham going to show up? Possibly. I hope he does. I just drafted him. And Aaron Rodgers will pull some wide receiver out of the ground, and like he'll become what Devontae Adams was. So I'm all for this. I think the Packers win. Like, I think 31-20, and that was the most long-winded explanation ever. Guys, rock and roll. I'm sorry. I think if Rodgers, his injury issues are not behind him, I can see him getting knocked out in the first half. I don't want to see it, but with how dominant Khalil Mack is, if Rodgers even has a 2% chance that a big hit will injure him, it's going to happen when you're going up against the Bears week one. And... I know you said their defense is competent. I think this game is going to come down to who's better, the Packers off, not the Packers offense, the Bears offense or the Packers defense. Because I think the Bears defense is still good enough to hold the Packers somewhat back. Not They can't completely shut down Aaron Rodgers. But I think if whichever breaks first, if it's the Packers defense or the Bears offense and Mitch Trubisky throws five picks, that's yeah. what it's going to come down to. Oh, I, I mean – it also depends on if the Packers' offensive line can protect Aaron Rodgers. And with that, let's have the Packers fan take the floor because I guarantee she's like chomping her nails saying, shut the fuck up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. So, Savannah, the floor is yours. I mean, I'm so ready for this game. I personally have the Packers winning. I think that I know that the Bears' defense is dominant, but I do believe that Aaron Rodgers, like you said, can literally pull any receiver out of the ground. Um, we have a bunch of rookie receivers, a bunch of second-year receivers, and then we have Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison. Um, I think that the Packers' offense will outlast the uh, Bears' defense easily, and our defense, the Packers' defense, has vamped up a lot since last year. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, and I'm really excited and really nervous. And so I think we're going to ask you – oh, I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. No, you're okay. I just was going to say I think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw four touchdown passes. I like the I like the ballsiness. Um, so talk to us about these – like, so me and Kevin, as much as like we like to pride ourselves on actually knowing a lot about football, a lot of these Packers receivers are unknown. We know you got Aaron Jones in the backfield, and, you know, you have your your Jamal Williams and your bunch of misfits behind Aaron Rodgers. But basically, is there – like, you're, besides Allison, or it could be Allison – is there a receiver we're going to see like another Randall Cobb show up out of nowhere and just start dominating this year? Or is it just going to be Devontae Adams show with a bunch of sidekicks? Um, I think so. The second year receiver, um, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, I think that's how you say it. He that is how you say it. In the first few games that he played last season, he did really well. Um, I think that he's going to be a, a shining star this season, especially since Equinemius St. Brown like is now on IR. So he's like the third, he's like the third receiver. So I think he's going to be able to have a really big game and a really big season. All righty. So uh, Kev, how are you leaning on this one? 
I, I still think the Bears are going to win. I think their defense is too good. I think with a new head coach, it's always a toss-up, like the Packers are rolling in. I also think Roquan Smith could have a really big game against that Packers offensive line focusing on Khalil Mack. Fair enough. For those who forget, Roquan Smith was a stud at Georgia, and I hate yeah. him. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin's got a little bitterness towards Roquan Smith. Uh, not really. We won the game. That's all that matters. But did he not? He was the one who knocked Hurts out, right? Uh, the national championship? No, he Hurts just was playing like hot garbage, so they put in Tua. And then he played like he did against as for Oklahoma, and it was looking amazing. Yep. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, it's time we bring back everyone's favorite segment, and with the sound effect included. Stomach Cracker Six Pack, ladies and gents. Let's get into some games. All right, college up first. We got Texas LSU. This is, a, by the way, our belly up football, college football game of the week, hosted by our very own Kevin Langley, runs the college football department. Kevin, I'll let you lead the preview on this one. Before I go into the preview, I would just like to say if you head over to Belly Up's forum and you predict the winner and score of this game, you can win a free t shirt. Pretty cool deal we're doing, we're doing, and we're going to be doing this all season, so check it out. And for this game, I'm picking LSU to win it. You can call it SEC bias, but I think LSU is too good defensively. Alabama was a powerhouse offense last year, and LSU kept up with them pretty well, in part thanks to their defense. And I don't know if anyone saw the Coach O interview about the game, talking about their players. I love Coach O. I love Coach O, too, and I hate the fact that I love him because he's the LSU coach, but... He called Sam Ellinger a player similar to Tebow, but a better thrower, which is really high praise. Which I don't agree with Unless it. I think you Sam don't have Urban Meyer as a head coach, and you have that nut nutcase called Tom Herman. But I mean, you know, close. Yeah, but I expect the Tigers to really game plan for Ellinger and do whatever they can to shut him down. And so I think LSU's offense is going to be decent this year. I think that it's going to be good enough with that defense to win big games like this. All right. I got to go LSU too. I love their new quarterback. The kid can spin it. He, he, he's probably the best. He's, he, he's like, you know, it's so funny. Like everyone, like, like Zach Mettenberger was basically a meme, but that dude was a month, like was very good in college. And LSU's always, every couple of years, always have that one quarterback who comes in and can actually rip a ball down the field. And those are always the years they're good. So I look at first of all, I love saying Texas is back just to piss off Rattlesnake and Mark, but basically Texas is like what Miami was last year. They're gonna have a good start to the season, and then they're gonna continue to shoot themselves in the foot because like like uh big o the big O said before, he's Tim Tebow with a better arm, but he doesn't have Urban Meyer as head coach as Tom Herman, who basically is a walking circus around him. I am all for a very nice LSU victory. It's not going to be as close as everyone thinks. I hate agreeing with the with some of the knuckleheads in our college football chat. I think it's going to be. What'd you say, Kev? I didn't say anything. Oh, like we had a little echo, I think. But uh, basically, it's going to be like a 30 to 20 game. LSU is just going to get out in front and then just play like clock management, run the football, no turnover, and Ellinger's going to look lost. He's going to throw a ton of picks, and Herman's going to have a freak out on the sideline probably try to sucker punch Coach O. 
that a good enough uh, summarization for you? Yeah. So Savannah, would you like to? Uh, I don't know where. You, what, I don't even know what college football fan you are. Uh, the Buckeyes. Oh God. Oh Jesus, why did we bring her on again? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one who suggested it. Well, listen, she actually had she had the talent. That's why I'm like, you know, we'll give this girl a shot, and she she wowed us in the first episode. But now I'm learning she's a Buckeyes fan. God, if she next, if she tells me she's an LA Dodgers fan, she's fired. Oh no. Okay, thank God. Because then I actually might have fired you at that point. I'm a, I'm a diehard Diamondbacks fan, and anybody who's a Dodgers fan gets automatically yelled at. So, all right. So, even though you got to keep your big, the, the crappy conference known as the Big Ten away from this argument here. Oh, whoa. Big Ten might be a top two conference, top, top to bottom. Top three. Okay, yeah, okay. My, my ACC is having a down year. I'll, 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 I'll work. <laughs> Mostly ACC has been having a down like five years yeah basically it's gonna for the next like five it's gonna be lsu and miami i mean not lsu uh clemson and miami duking it out in the title and most likely until miami gets their crap together on their offensive line it's gonna be clemson every year but so it's gonna be clemson for the next five years oh shut up um savannah <laughs> what do you think of this game texas lsu um for someone that really only follows the big 10 i kind of feel like lsu's like has always been like a decent team from what I've seen, so I would just have to pick LSU. Also, for an NFL, a person who's an NFL, NFL person first, um, they always produce like defensive stars every year. So, yeah, uh, Greedy Williams, the Browns draft pick, he just came from there, right? Yeah, Jalen Mills from Philadelphia, Patrick Peterson from Arizona, Devin uh, White in the Bucks right yeah, now, Devin White in the Bucks, uh. I could keep going. Basically, they produce defensive stars like a pepper. It's like it's like a farm out there. Literally, they just pluck them out of the ground. Basically, these guys it just come in bunches. But it's something about the recruiting. But basically, yeah, I don't think anybody can really pick Texas in this game. I mean, if Texas does win, then we have a different whole different conversation on our hands on 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 Monday show. Like, I, it's gonna be insane. Uh, next up, it's the other one. Just speaking of Clemson, Texas A&M versus Clemson, SEC battle. Um, not an SEC battle. I thought I thought A&M was still uh, SEC. Well, no, but oh, wait, Clemson's okay. not. Oh, f- Jesus, Clemson ACC is ACC. My brain just like crapped out for a second. Basically, we have the defending champs. Is it going to be like last year? Is, is Texas A&M going to give them a run, or are they just going to roll them right off the field? I'm going to give you guys a little trip down memory lane here to yesteryear of 2012. Alabama's coming off a season, ranked two going into the BCS National Championship, dismantled the number one LSU Tigers 21 to nothing. Most boring game ever. Yes, I've watched that about 30 times because my work at school would play old national championships in the back. Following season... A&M rolls into Bryant-Denny Stadium, pulls off the upset, and wins 29-24. to Call me crazy. I have a feeling that this could happen again. I have a feeling that Clemson's just smoked Alabama in the national championship, and they're probably hyped. They might have a little national championship hangover. I can see A&M rolling into Death Valley and pulling off the upset here. 
You've convinced me enough where I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I still think Clemson's going to pull this out in the end. I It all comes down to just the amount of talent that Clemson has on the roster. See, their defense is not what it was last year, so it's going to be a high-scoring game. But it's going to be, can Texas A&M keep up? That's what it comes down to, because you're not stopping that offense. It all comes down to the way you're going to beat Clemson this year, any team whether that's the Canes in the the title game or any ACC opponent or Ohio State, LSU, Bama, Oklahoma, whatever in the playoff, can you keep up with Clemson and get a turnover? It's going to be basically like playing uh, Brady-Eagles, kind of like that Super Bowl where it's just going to be scoring everywhere. It's who makes the first turnover. So I think LSU is going to get the most for the first turnover. They got a couple NFL guys in that sec in that back in that back seven. I just I gotta give I can't pick against the Tigers here. I would love to be wrong though, to be completely frank with you guys. Savannah, I feel like I've seen a lot of people pick Texas Texas A&M. I mean, as much as like I Clemson's offense, I feel like it's just unstoppable. I mean, I'm really tired of seeing them like be a phenomenal year after year. So me personally, I would have to bet against them. I mean, it just, it almost feels like it's too obvious of an upset to me. I don't like, I've been watching college football since about 2003. And I used to love Pac-12 ball because of Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, Michael James, Dennis Dixon, Marks Mariota. And then I fell in love with the U after watching those documentaries and actually finally picked a team. Basically, while they were absolute garbage, by the way, under the Al Golden years, but I always followed all college football because I love the passion and the intensity of the sport and how, like, these guys actually like the school pride and all that stuff. Basically, every year there's always that, like, must-see upset in college football. Like, the number one seed's always got this must-see game. Like, back after – the year after Johnny Football erupted and he walked into Alabama, Alabama was supposed to lose, right? Alabama wins. Um – other way around there, bud. Wait, I thought Bama won that the second, the second, the second the year after. Oh, the second year? I was talking yeah. about the first one. Oh no, 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 the second year, the year after Johnny Football arrived, like after the hijinks and the craziness that got them, that the guy got him his fame against for beating Alabama. It was the second year where you saw him like not actually deliver, and you saw Bama win. Rarely do you see the upset that everyone says is going to be the upset happen. That's that's the point I'm making here. And okay. so this looks way too obvious to me. I just don't – I can't in good in, – as a actual person who considers himself a professional sports caster, writer, who went to school for this, who's been covering sports since he was 15 years old. Basically, I can't in good conscience take Texas A&M without chuckling a little bit. Because basically I, I think if I was going to bet on this, I'd be half throwing my money away. Like, no, there's no chance in hell. But, I mean, I would love to be wrong again. So. All right. NFL time. Wait, First we're not game. doing Alabama versus New Mexico State University? <laughs> I didn't even know that was a real college. And then Alabama, I thought it was just Nick Saban running against the practice squad and the NCAA gave it the okay. Pretty much. Yeah, basically. He has the NCAA at, like, gunpoint. Um. First up in the NFL, we got Atlanta, Minnesota. Now, you guys all had you guys both had Atlanta being your second third place team in the South. I had them winning. 
Um, we all had Minnesota not like being a second or third place team, regardless of who we had at first in the North. So it's going to be a good game, regardless. Both these teams are playoff contenders, solid rosters from top to bottom, but Atlanta has one solid advantage to me, and that's the quarterback position. If you tell me in the Battle of the Choke Artist game, basically that's what it looks like. They're both good regular season quarterbacks, and they're both great quarterbacks when it's not prime time. Matt Ryan's better to me. I can't wait to see my boy Julio Jones, American hero, take over again. Uh, he's, you know, going to dominate. And uh, I just, I got Atlanta winning. I think it's going to be a rough start. I mean, I think Minnesota's going to score points. You know, Dalvin Cook is just, is going to emerge, is, pro, is emerging this year, probably hope as one of like top 10, 15 best running backs in the league. And you're going to have Diggs and Thielen doing their thing. I, it just, there's too much offense on the Atlanta side of the ball. You have, you have a, a three-headed monster. Probably the best receiving core, if not the second best in the league. Then you throw in Matt Ryan is still doing his thing at like in his early 30s. And now Javante Freeman's healthy. And now you don't have to do the swap out thing with Tevin Coleman. I look at this. I I got Atlanta. I it they're this they're gonna this is their first like signature win where we're gonna look at them when they're like 10 and 6, 11 and 5 at the end of the year and be like, oh, okay. I this was one of the wins where like, okay, Atlanta's here, they're gonna win. What do you guys got? I think I agree with you. I think Atlanta has way too many weapons on offense. And I know the Vikings have their weapons, but like you said, the quarterback position is a big plus for Atlanta. This offense is more built for Matt Ryan. Kirk Cousins just kind of like, oh, here's a good quarterback on the market. Let's throw money at him. And I think I'm very high on Julio, obviously, like everyone. I'm very high on Calvin Ridley, like a lot of people. Because they're both Alabama receivers. (laughs) <laughs> also, they're good. Uh, I think Mohamed Sanu, I don't really talk about a lot, but he's still a solid receiver. I think Devont, not Devontae Freeman. Well, yes, Devontae Freeman. Austin Hooper is a big guy to watch this year. He just came off a season, 71 catches. It was only for 660 yards and four touchdowns, but those receptions. He was a good check down guy for Ryan, and it really helped, especially in games where they're like trying to play catch up. Yeah, and if. Like, the Vikings still have a good defense, so if Julio, Sanu, and Ridley are all covered somehow, check it down to Freeman or Hooper, and you'll get yardage on the play. So I think that's really—I think that will be what kills the Vikings this game, is just those checkdowns and those runs, and not as much the star power they have at the receiver position. Or Julio's going to go off and catch 400, for 400 yards and, like, three touchdowns, but— you know what? It, it what quick point before like we let Savannah gives her analysis here. Can we just talk about how the fact that Julio Jones every year has that one game where you're just like, oh, that's why he's so damn good. Like 300 yards, 12 catches, two touchdowns, three touchdowns. It happens like every year. So could this be that game? I don't know. Trey, Williams I don't think so. I mean, Julio Jones does not catch touchdowns the first eight weeks, and then yeah, he catches like me. that burns me last year. I just don't get how he can catch like 10 touchdowns in the last seven games of the year in the first nine. He's he doesn't best have fantasy playoffs receiver of all time. True. He's just saving himself for his fantasy owners. Basically. He screwed me when I traded him for Fournette and like a couple and Derek Henry and a couple other guys. But Savannah, what do you think? Uh, Atlanta, Minnesota. Um, I have the Falcons winning. I don't think. 
I know that on both sides of the ball for the Vikings that it's decent, but I just don't think this is even like I, – I don't think anyone should even question this game. I think it's an easy pick to have Atlanta win. Mount Ryan and that whole offense could possibly be like almost unstoppable. Um, and I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to come out and look good. I think he's going to probably throw for like one touchdown and probably have a couple picks. I I actually could totally see that. I I made the joke last year when they got uh, Cousins. I said he, they basically went from Cousins light in Case Keenum to Cousins like like full like a beer reference because basically Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum are the same human being. Keenum just throws the ball a farther distance, but uh, Kirk Cousins is more accurate. They're basically the same quarterback though. Next up, Kansas City Jacksonville now. Kevin told me his pick before Savannah joined our meeting, and I I had a double take for a second, and it's 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 a uh, big Nick, big third member Nick, and his Jaguars taking on basically everyone's Super Bowl pick out of the AFC, who's a hype man, in Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs are good. Kevin ripped me last week for saying that their offense was basically their defense was garbage. How are they going to win the damn AFC? And I said, you know what? It's Mahomes. He's a magician. But this game, I don't know. I think there's so much hype on Kansas City. There is so much hype on Mahomes, like you know, being the next like. Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, he's the new age version. He's going to light the world on fire. And everyone forgets the Jaguars were one holding penalty or was holding pass interference. Kevin, what did your Patriots pay the refs off for? Um, against <laughs> against the Jaguars? Yeah. Uh, nothing, because the Patriots don't pay refs or cheat in any way, shape, or form. Nice, um, nice answer, I, counselor. I think it was holding, though. Okay, yeah, it was, it was some BS penalty. that The Jaguars didn't... got called for holding because they held. We're, we'll we'll, uh, we'll agree to disagree there. Basically, it's okay. My Eagles did the job that the Jaguars couldn't finish. Basically, the Jaguars have mostly the same team, except they upgraded it basically in one position where it matters most, quarterback. Uh, now, Nick Foles may not be Aaron Rodgers. He may not be Tom Brady. He may not even be Mahomes, Wentz, or Jared Goff. But he still won a Super Bowl. He still beat Brady. Let's be honest, Doug Peterson beat, beat Belichick. That's basically what it was. They, they were just moving their players like chess pieces. Basically, Nick Foles is a solid B-plus quarterback. B if you want it on an, on an off day, B-minus. On his best days, Blake Bortles was a was a D-plus, C-minus. He may be the boat, but he also was sinking that boat. That defense is still disgusting. They still have Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, Calais Campbell – and Telvin Smith. I love the Jaguars in this because of how disgusting that defense is, and they're going to turn in Foles is a great game manager. He's a game manager who can light you up on the scoreboard. So he's like that. He's that weird in between between like the Dak Prescotts of the world. He's like in that like zone where like Dak Prescott, Mitch Trubisky, all these guys who are like not good enough to like where you're more afraid of them than their position players, but they're still good enough where you have to fear them, like, throw the ball. And Foles is one of the best in that eight, that like B 
that B tier of quarterbacks before you get into the Mahomes, Rodgers, Wentz, Brady, Breeze, ben, Big Ben, Russell Wilson, etc. And basically, that's damn scary because that basically takes away J- Jacksonville's biggest like weakness the last five years. And now that you have Foles now has a running back. When Foles is a good running back, he generally is successful over his career with like maybe like let's say guys like LaShawn McCoy and JJ, you know, good running backs. But basically, I'm going to say uh, Jacksonville sneaks one out here 27-24. Mahomes has three touchdowns, but also three picks. All right, uh, I'll let you two fight it out for who goes next. I'd just like to point out how Jared judged my pick before and then took all my points to make himself <laughs> seem smart. Dude, that's why I'm the host, man. I can just do that stuff, and nobody says crap to me about it. I will. Well, also, by the way, I didn't actually know those were your points because I didn't even read your article yet. So to be fair, I just think on the same page as you. Uh, Also, a point that Jared did not make that I had is I feel the Chiefs are really going to feel the loss of Kareem Hunt. I think their ground game is really going to struggle as they're rolling out the corpse of LaShawn McCoy this week. Hey, leave my boy alone. I have not said anything about his skill set in the past. He was a very good running back before his 50th birthday. (laughs) And I I just think that with with the Jaguars' defense and all the players they have in the secondary and up front, you can't be a one-dimensional team, and I feel like that's what the Chiefs are going to be to start the season. I, I think until they realize that they have to get Damian Williams the ball a lot more than just like out of the backfield and sparing plays, I think you're you are absolutely right. Um, get out of the ice cream, you jackass. Um, All right, Savannah, who do you have? Oh uh, yeah, go Savannah. Um, I think that Nick Foles is going to be able to like run all over like the Jack or the Chiefs defense, but I just think that. Even though there is huge hype for Patrick Mahomes, I think I think that he's still going to come out blazing. Like I think he's going to look like he did last year. And even though Jacksonville's defense is like hot, I still think that he's going to score enough points to make up for their shitty defense. And I mean, Nick Foles is on a new team, and it's hard for me to believe that he's just going to have this amazing connection with all these receivers when he's only had like a training camp and stuff like that to practice with them. So I, I will say crazier things have happened. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the my love affair with the man who gave my favorite football team, my favorite sports team, their first title. But you know, uh, you know, even though Carson Wentz is better, and I basically had to rip every sportscaster in an article about it, I still will never forget forget Nick what Nick Foles did for the city of Philadelphia. Anyway, great. Like I know he can like he, he's. He's, he's just on everything. I just don't think that he's gonna come out and play like Mahomes or like outplay Mahomes. Oh no, I'm not saying he's gonna outplay Mahomes, but I'm gonna say if you if you really want to go down to like we'll go to the matchup to matchup. So we'll give quarterback to the Chiefs. We'll give running back to obviously to Jacksonville. Fournette's a country mile ahead of Damian Williams or ironically I have both of them on man roster. And wide receivers, you know, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, come on, that's just that's just a way better combination than uh, um, uh, Marquise Goodwin and I don't even know who the next guy is in that roster. Bait, and then, 
And then tight end, you know, Travis Kelsey, really. Uh, defense, but then you go down the defense, and basically, after Frank Clark, it's like, and Tyron Matthew, you have two guys out of the nine that possibly beat anybody on Jacksonville. So, to me, this is a no-brainer. I just, it's, at least on one side of the ball, Jacksonville smokes them. And if Jacksonville can, it, it's all, you, you said it yourself, though, Savannah. Foles will not outplay outplay uh, Mahomes, but it, he doesn't have to. It's going to be basically, can the defense keep Mahomes slowed down enough, and can they run the football and keep Mahomes off the field enough for the Jacksonville Jaguars to win? I do believe they can. Um, Pittsburgh at New England. Now, Kevin, you have to hold your bias to a low amount here. <laughs> oh, jeez. But I'll let you go first. Flex your bias muscles. Can I read you some stats first? Well, basically, it's Pittsburgh, New England, which means it's going to be like Pittsburgh's 0-6 in New England during the regular season, et cetera, et cetera. Excuse you. The Steelers are 1-5 again at Gillette Stadium. All right. Fine. I was one off. However, the one win came in 2008 when Matt Castle was the starting quarterback. So, Tom Brady. Uh, good old days. Tom Brady at home versus the Steelers. 5-0, oh, 71.9% completion percentage. 1,700 yards, 18 touchdowns, no interceptions, and 130.8 QBR. The Patriots struggle early in the season. That We all know that. The Patriots also beat the Steelers at home, handedly. So this there's – I know the Steelers are going to be – I think they're going to be better this year now that they got Mr. Big Chess out of the building. But I still don't think it's going to be enough for them to win the game. I think Big Ben's going to show his age a bit more. And Tom Brady's going to show us how he found the Fountain of Youth or something. Or made a deal with the devil. We don't really don't truly know. But this, you, you hit the nail, hammer on the ham, the nail with hammer. I, I, I screw up that now. I hit the nail on the head is the phrase. Shut up. Basically, <laughs> basically, I, I can't, it's, it's so, it's like, you know, like the Patriots always lose like one stupid game in September. It's like a game you're like, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, the Patriots are going to go 0-16. The, the rain's over. It happened when the Chiefs smoked them the year Philly won the Super Bowl. And, oh, wait, then New England ripped off, like, one of their best statistical seasons in a while and basically was one Brandon Graham strip sack away from winning uh, the title. Um, one point of note, the Pats won the Super Bowl the year the Chiefs smoked them after. No. Yeah, it was against no. the Falcons. No, they were the reigning champs that year. When they had Mark Wahlberg come out and they dropped their fifth banner. It was it was the Eagles year, I remember, because I was watching in my room. I was talking shit to my ex-girlfriend, who was a Patriots fan. We weren't really dating yet, but we were good friends. I was talking crap. I remember this, Kevin, because it was a great moment in my life, because for once, the Patriots sucked for a day. Uh, well, you remember it wrong because that game was September 29th, 2014. Score was 41 to 14 at home. It's not 2014. Yep, September 29th, 2014. I literally had the game stats in front of me. Oh. The Patriots won the Super Bowl that year. All right, maybe I'm looking at the wrong, remembering the wrong team then. But continue your point and just know you're wrong. Shut up. <laughs> God, you're annoying as shit. Um, well, don't be wrong. (sighs) 
Oh, I'm looking. I'm literally like looking at the wrong um, like season right now. My brain's like farting out. Um, because that was the game everyone freaked out after. Because the Patriots were two and two after that, and they lost at home. Yeah. No, Mr. Wiseass. It was 42-27. Chief no, the won. game everyone freaked out about was the 41-14. to The one I remember was the 42-27. But that's not the one everyone was freaking out about, which was the initial thing you were talking about. So I was right because I was talking – what I was actually talking about was the one where Eric Berry, the- Eric Berry picked off Brady and it was 41-27 with the Mark Wahlberg dropping the thing. Kareem Hunt had his breakout game 150 yards. Tyreek Hill was balling out. If I remember correctly, who had the pick? Oh, there were no. Oh no, he picked up Brady. Yikes. Um. Oh no, but they they did sack Brady. And yeah, no, I was actually right. I just got the no. Score. Your initial point was everyone freaked out about this game, and not a bunch of people were freaking out about the that game because people were like, well, this usually happens. You're talking something circum- circum- circumstantial because the people in my circle were actually freaking out about this. People in your circle are dumb then. Everyone I was with in Alabama was like, yeah, this happens. Like, You went to Alabama. You want to talk about people who are dumb? Come on. There's no collective state IQ 13. Yeah, I didn't have – all my friends were from like Chicago and Missouri and St. Louis. All right, all right. You're splitting hairs here. What I'm trying to say is the Patriots struggle early in the season – and if for some miracle the Steelers do win on Sunday night, everyone's going to rip the page like, oh, the defending champs are down. I'm not buying it. The Patriots are still going to be in the AFC title game this year. But I don't know. I think the Patriots win this one. I really do. I because Maybe it's just because I'm not a big believer in the Steelers. I think that everyone's way overhyping how good like guys like James Washington and James Conner are actually going to be. I love Juju because he's just a marketing genius. But I just I think Big Ben's not elite anymore, and he's like the lower end. He's like an A minus, like an 89.5 average overall quarterback. So I don't know, I, I gotta give it to the Patriots here. I just you know if they're gonna run the football, they're gonna play defense. The and especially at home, uh, the Patriots are gonna win this one. Before Kevin yelled at me for five minutes, even though I would make I was talking about the right game. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. If you use one setup to say. Oh, like when they everyone was freaking out like when they lost to the Chiefs. It was after they started 2 and 2 and lost to the Chiefs and then won the Super Bowl. Okay, I wasn't bringing up that game. I was bringing up the opening game from 2017. Because that's the one I remember because I woke up, it was I had to be at work at 5:30 in the morning, but I couldn't sleep, so I woke up, I turned on the game and I look over and the Chiefs are putting a whoop on the Patriots and the Patriots like scored two touchdowns on answer to make it close. But ba- closer. But basically, then I remember the next morning I'm in my morning meeting at New York Life, and I'm texting my soon-to-be ex-girlfriend. Ha 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 ha. The Patriots lost, just being a little bit of a prick. And she's like, "Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine." And that's what I remember because basically, you had every. Well, I'm surprised morning- you guys didn't work out. Oh yeah, a month and a half later. Ugh. Um. Anyway, basically. No, a month and a half total time. Basically, you had everyone from first take, undisputed. Everyone really, except for like guys like Cowherd and SVP, were like blowing the Patriots season up. But 
I knew, I'm like, the Chiefs always start hot. They've started hot under Andy Reid every year. 2013, they start off like 8-0 or something like ridiculous like that. So, but I was bringing up that reference. Savannah, what do you think of Pitt, New England, as me and Kevin have yelled at each other for the past 20 minutes? Well, um, I don't know if there's very much stuff left for me to be said. Because <laughs> I am sorry. This <laughs> happens. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet while we were recording, but it does happen. Yeah, me and Kevin will get into a screaming match at least once every five episodes. <laughs> um, well, at least it's entertaining. So I think that I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think what you said, the Patriots always start off slow. I know it's at home. And, I mean, I'm not overhyping the Steelers. I don't think that they're going to be, like, this crazy, like, 11-5, 12-14 all the season. But I think that they're going to be able to pull out the win. I mean, the Patriots suck at the beginning of the season, no matter if they're home or not. Like, they lost to the Jags week two of last season. So I think the Steelers are going to be able to win this game. All right, fair enough. Good reference on that Jags loss, by the way. That one was that was pretty entertaining. You almost what was the game they got? They got smoked last year by one team, and everyone like was like go like laughing. I'm like, they're gonna be back. Relax. I know they uh, lost to the Dolphins. That was awful. That was the bad one. That was, that was a fluke. That was such a weird game. The Miami Miracle. Yo, that was okay. that was because they had the corpse of Rob Gronkowski at safety. Okay, so fun funny story. There was, like, three other close games that day, and at my sister's old bar she used to work at, her and the bartender she worked with, who I went to high school with, would give me the remote, and I would pick all the games to put on. So, not th- there was a couple other football fans in that week, and they were being dicks about their teams. One of them, ironically, was a Packers fan. <clears throat> uh, basically, he, like, didn't watch when the game off, even though they were up by 35, and it was, like, the end of the, second, like, the, end of the fourth quarter. But the Miami game was close. The Cleveland game was close. I think the indie game was close. I'm like, oh, my God, I want to see all three. And the guy's like, keep the Packers game on. I need to see them make sure they get the knee down. I'm like, all right, whatever, pal. So, basically, I turned on the Colts game quickly to check the score because I think it was against the Titans or something. or It was some stupid – like, it was some close game. And I switched back. I see Dolphins won. I was like, the hell just happened? They were on their own 10. And – then I go back, I see the highlights. I'm just like sitting there at the bar with a stein of like beer in my hand and a, and I think it was a mozzarella stick. And the other like, huh? And I had Kenyon Drake on my team. So basically that won me a game that week. But uh, yeah, no. And then I come back and that Colts game had a crazy ending or something. So it was just like the ultimate like kick in the crotch a little bit. Cause I'm like, I missed both endings. But yeah, no, the Patriots always have that one fluky loss every season. We're at the 53-minute mark, and we still haven't gone to our last game. So that's just me and Kevin's fault for getting our usual uh, couple's argument. <laughs> last one is the Monday Nighter, Houston versus New Orleans. Now, guys, last time we had our show, Houston had no offensive line. And within a week, they got a slot receiver in Kenny Stills. Larry Tunsil saw left tackle, and they were able to move Jadavion Clowney and get some, p- some p- draft picks for it. And then move those graphics to basically to Miami. What do you think of this game? Because you guys know how I feel about New Orleans. I think this is a drop back here. And I'll go last year because I kind of owe it to you after I've been not shutting up this entire podcast, even though it is technically my podcast. But guy, uh, Savannah, we'll let you go first here. Uh, New Orleans, Houston, Monday night. What do you got? 
Um, I got the Saints. I feel like the Texans can pick up whoever they want, and the, and the Saints are still going to come out at home. Like, their offense is incredible. Michael Thomas and Drew Brees are just, like, impossible to stop, and they have a good defense, and Alvin Kamara, it's just it's an easy pick for me. I don't think that the Texans – I mean, I know DeAndre Hopkins probably one of the best receivers in the NFL right now, but nope. I don't The think best, the best. Come on, get your stats right here. Zero yeah. drops. Uh, um, I don't think that him and Deshaun Watson combined are just going to be enough to – I and Drew Brees doesn't throw as many picks as Deshaun Watson. I feel like he's going to – Deshaun Watson's going to come out and probably throw a couple picks, and it's just going to be an easy win for the Saints. So I'm going to – no, uh, now you're in your second episode. I can go completely just – I can – I'm going to shut – I always do this to everybody at least once a season where I just shut their pick down completely. Um, You're really wrong here. Um, I'm not going to be mean about this. I'm just going to be straight up. The Saints defense last year was so opportunistic. They would get the luckiest interceptions because what would happen is Breeze and the boys would get up early and they would have to – the other team would have to play catch-up. But they're playing a team now – that not only can run the football, they got Carlos Hyde and they got Duke Johnson. It's a, it's yes, it's a, it's basically Cleveland's former backfield of two years ago, but they solved at least the biggest problem in their offensive line, which was their left tackle. Tunsil's a top ten tackle, and say what you want about additions like like late picks and how much you know, but the the the, the basically the Saints have one good pass rusher. It's Cam Jordan, and we're also forgetting last year that basically the Saints didn't almost escape out of the, the Philly game if it wasn't for an Alshon Jeffrey drop. I am maybe it's the fact that I picked them basically go eight and eight this year nine and seven, but the Texans are going to win this game, and it's you're forgetting about a couple guys on defense and one in particular who always just seems to just be a nightmare for teams to have good offensive lines but not great ones and have short quarterbacks, you know. Ones that are my height, like Drew Brees, uh, Justin James Watt. Basically, the Texans, yes, are a patchwork on their offensive line. But Deshaun Watson with a decent left tackle. You have Will Fuller back healthy. You have DeAndre Hopkins back. And now you get Kenny Stills. Wait, now, as much as Kenny Stills. What did you say? Did you say they have Will Fork back healthy? No, Will Fuller. Okay, I was just so confused. Sorry. I know, I know. Yo, every time you bring a Will, Will Fork now, I think about the time you wore the overalls on Hard Knocks. Oh, I love that, man. Sorry, continue. He's a cane, man. I love him, too. Uh, basically, the Texans have all their weapons back. And I think people are really understanding the Duke Johnson acquisition because basically he is the best, one of the best pass-catching halfbacks. And to a guy like Bill O'Brien, who is a Belichick disciple, as Kevin will always point out, have any Belichick disciple? It's gonna be bad. Basically, Deshaun Watson has a ton of weapons, and one thing that everyone forgets is Deshaun Watson runs basically a four-five. He may not like even against the Philadelphia pass rush, which is probably one of the best pass rushes in the league last year, and it's gonna be this year. He still lit up that secondary for I think thirty-one points. And basically, New Orleans' pass rush is one guy with dreadlocks who should be slid into defensive tackle at this point in his career. So basically, if I'm going to go by the stats and the fact that they basically have one decent corner and one okay safety, 
who basically is responsible for the Minneapolis miracle, uh, Marcus Williams. Um, I got to go with the Texans by at least 14. I think that New Orleans is going to come out way too emotional. They're going to be – like no, don't get me wrong. The Saints are going to drop a bomb in the first quarter. It's going to be 21-7. You know, Breeze is going to be all fired up. Michael Thomas is going to be flexing. He might do some, like, cell phone celebration. Fournette's going to be hyping up the cr- – I mean, not Fournette. Uh, Kamara's going to be hyping up the crowd. He's going crazy. And then the first pick, like Breeze trying to force the ball downfield with his old man arm strength is going to happen. And you got Kareem Jackson maybe picking him off. And then you've got Justin Reed possibly picking off and later in the game. You got J.J. Watts wanting a ball or two down. And you're looking at, a, like, the Texans start creeping back into the game. And then you see the offensive explosion because there's not a man on this earth who can actually cover DeAndre Hopkins. And Will Fuller probably is the best number two receiver in the league, if not the second or third. And Kenny Stills would be the bet would was the number was a number one receiver in his own right, and now he's their slot guy. That's terrifying to me. Like I really I don't think Philly plays the Texans this year, and I'm actually happy about it because of that offense. They're going to score a ton of points this year. I mean, I think that it's going to be a good game. I don't think that the Saints are going to be able to blow them out, and I do agree that they have. The Texans have a great receiving core. I mean, hell, I have them winning, like, the South. But I just don't think – it's almost, like, impossible to beat the Saints at home. And just, like – like, I don't think they're going to come out emotional until they play the Rams. I think that they're going to – I think they're going to have something – they feel they have something to prove. Like, they've got knocked out of the playoffs every year for some stupid-ass reason. So I think that they're going to be a guns blazing, like, every single game. I, you know what? If that does happen, it's going to be interesting because we're going to have a great – you're going to – you will – I will give you full reign to rip me on Monday or Tuesday whenever we do our show as Mark – oh, I always gave Mark the opportunity. If I went at him about his pick, I would always – so, Savannah, you have one on tap. If the Saints will destroy – and beat the Texans, I will literally set myself up like a pinata and you just start going at me about the game film. But <laughs> I, I just don't – like – Maybe it's the fact that I watched so many games, Saints games this year, last year, and I what I saw, maybe I just wasn't as impressed because I, I look at this and I'm like, how are they getting away with these? Like, I think yet yeah, you're it's the Superdome. By all means, you are right about that. They are so hard to beat at home. But I cannot ignore what I watched last year with Drew Brees' arm strength, and they don't have a number two receiver. It's Mike Thomas, 40 feet of crap, and a couple of guys that would be third or fourth guys on most other rosters. But Drew Brees is such a good quarterback, and he makes them look like decent receivers. Right. Um, I love Alvin Kamara. His talent, I don't like him as a human being. But basically, or his personality, basically. But I think that he's still one of the top ten best running backs in the league without even questioning it. Probably the top three best dual threat running backs catching and passing catching and running but i just it to me houston you yes like you put put Lattimore on hopkins and he keeps him maybe at bay for a quarter or two or a half you still have will fuller and stills and fedorowicz is back healthy finally right like i mean they have like that's like tiny little weapons duke johnson out of the backfield it just to me there's so many holes for the saints to fill here that i can't see them stopping the Texans offense because 
I their pass rush to me last year was not impressive. Their run defense was good, but their pass defense to me was lackluster. So I, I just that's just the way I look at it. Kev, go because basically we got to get to your weird stuff in sports. Sorry, just one more thing though. You talk about holes though. With Clowney gone, like you really think that like JJ Watt's gonna be able to fill that hole? I mean, Clowney literally had like nine sacks and like three forced fumbles last season, and I don't think that Watt's gonna be able to step up. Um, get to those stats. Whitney Merciless is the other guy that everyone forgets about. The guy who broke Nick Foles' collarbone. But also, you look at Merciless on the other side. He'll be playing where Clowney is. And also, the Texans always draft good defensive players every year. I'm not worried about that. And Bill O'Brien, as much as he may be just the most odd guy in the world, the guy always drafts good defensive linemen. And here's the thing, Savannah, one thing that I, I, I noticed a lot about watching Clowney film, the dude takes a lot of plays off. Like, he play. I think it's, like, every three or four get plays, you'll see him come off the line of scrimmage, and you'll see him, like, hit hit the guy and then kind of just, like, try to keep his ground. He won't try to make a move. He won't try to jump, swap the ball, won't try to get by. He'll just kind of, like, half, like, kind of run at the defender. Now, J.J. Watt goes 300 miles an hour every time he plays the ball. That's why he gets hurt a lot. Right. But I do see your point about Kalani. I, but I do see the, also the point that Breeze gets rid of the ball too fast anyway for it to be an issue, the Clowney thing to be an issue. But I see against other teams like with better offensive line, say Philly, New England, whatever you want to throw at it, that could be a problem because, yes, a guy like Clowney will be more valuable. But Breeze gets rid of the ball so fast anyway, it's going to be on those defensive backs and linebackers. Watt's going to have a couple swats during the game, but basically Breeze, especially with Sean Sean Payton knowing he's going to be facing a guy like Watt, He's going to want to get rid of that ball fast. And Mike William, Mike Thomas is going to be running a lot of quick ins, square ins, in routes, like quick outs, everything he can do to get that ball out of Breeze's hand very fast. So we'll see what happens. And Kevin's sitting there, I guarantee in his room right now, saying, crap, it's 10, 11 o'clock and I have to get my beauty sleep. So Kevin, New, New Orleans and Houston. Because me and Savannah have been beating this to death for the last half hour. Uh, don't worry. I don't need my beauty sleep. I, any amount of sleep I get won't help. But Jesus, <laughs> I don't really have much else to add. I think the Texans line is still extremely suspect. They have two rookie guards. I think if you can get pressure on the inside, it's not really going to matter much. I think the Saints are a better defensive team than you're giving the credit for, Jared, because an opportunistic defense can still be a good defense if they're take, taking these opportunities they have. And not dropping, say, I don't know, five picks in a game. So I think that you got to give him more credit than that. And also last week you said you didn't see really – you saw Drew Brees drop off after week seven. It's week one. That week seven might move up with another year of age, but I think it's not going to matter week one. He's fresh coming out of the offseason. Probably had a light training camp because he's a 39-year-old and he's the starting quarterback and they he's know 40. it. 40. 40, Sorry. And but also back to the emotion thing, I think the Saints FU tour is going to start this week. And I know, Savannah, you said, oh, it's not going to matter until they play the Rams, really. Uh, The last time a team felt this personally wronged by the league, they rattled off 14 wins and won the Super Bowl. This they're going to use this as motivation to show that they should have been in that Super Bowl. Yep. And I think it's going to start with the Texans and it's going to be a W for the Saints. All right. Well, you know what? When you're all wrong on Sunday. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to put in the, t- in the text in the corner of the chat. 
I'm going to literally – folks, you will know this. You are witnesses to this. I will text Savannah and Kevin. Ha, 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 ha. I told you so. Also, the Saints ground game is light years better than the Texans. That is true. I'm not denying that. Duke Johnson being a great receiving back doesn't matter because he was a great receiving back on some garbage Browns teams. I don't know how he can contribute to a winning team right now. He's only going to be better. That's the way I look at it. But, Kevin, you got some weird stuff in sports. Oh, do I ever. Uh, Punter Jamie Gillen for the Cleveland Browns was undrafted. Played football at University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, an FCS school. He also is was born in Scotland. Scotland, I almost said Scotland. Born in Scotland, played rugby, and was told this week that he was making the final roster. When he received that call from James Dorsey, he was at a bar with his father, which might be the most Scottish thing ever. The bar's name was the Flying Monkey Bar in Cleveland, Ohio, which is just doesn't really contribute much to the story. I just like that name. Also, reportedly, during a pre-draft workout, he popped three regulation-sized NFL footballs while punting them. This is my new favorite non-Patriots player. <laughs> All right. So let's kick that smooth jazz right quick. We are coming to the end of our first pre-game show for the NFL and college season picks. Of course, folks, you know, our picks will be up on our article. Savannah and Kevin have both submitted them. I will probably take Kevin's format, drop Savannah's picks, and then write mine in quick because I'm lazy, or at least I just try to save time. But it is my last call for the day. We witnessed a great performance on Saturday from a former Alabama player, Jalen Hurts. Now, he gave the most Nick Saban-esque answer when asked if he was, like, satisfied with the performance he put up. Kevin, you know this answer. You know, you you literally tweeted out this was the most Saban-esque thing ever, and I agree with you. Basically, he said that we got to get better. We got to get better. And I am just dumbfounded by the man named Lincoln Riley. Now, it's unfortunate he coaches at Oklahoma who basically can't spell defense, much less put together one. I think the last good defensive player they had was Tony Jefferson, who's bounced around the league as a safety. Um, I may be wrong on that one, though. Quote me, basically, I can't name a player from Oklahoma who's on defense. I think, wait, no, Brian Arakbo was Texas, right? Yeah. Anyway, so, let's see, there you go. And me being a college football and draft nerd, that's really bad. Basically, Oklahoma is an offensive powerhouse. They always have been. Lincoln Riley, who I will now only refer to as the quarterback whisperer, has turned guys like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts into Heisman hopefuls or contenders or winners. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to win the Heisman this year. He's got to go toe-to-toe with America's golden boy, Sunshine, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence. Um, That dude from Georgia... Also, that guy from Alabama who has bad ankles. Basically, ba- and hey, he hurt his knee too. Yes. And basically, they're, they're going to throw some running back in there, probably Jonathan Taylor. And you know, they're they're probably going to throw that that transfer kid from uh, Ohio State in because you know Urban Meyer is going to make some threatening call or something like that, or some Ohio State booster is going to do what they did on Ballers and throw somebody in jail. I don't know. 
college football is so weird to me in that aspect, especially once you go out west. But we need to really appreciate what Lincoln Riley is. Now there was a couple rumors a couple years ago when he was going to the, he was going to the Cowboys. Now I think every NFC team should thank their lucky stars he turned them down. And Jason Garrett, in his quest for ultimate mediocrity, won enough games to keep his record close to 500. Basically, it foregoed us even having to think about the fact of Dak Prescott being overrated because Lincoln Riley got his little hands on him. Do I think Jalen Hurts is going to be as good in the pros as Baker Mayfield? No. Do I think Kyler Murray is going to be good in the pros? No! You guys have all heard the draft special. I thought he was going to be the second biggest bust of the draft besides Dwayne Haskins for quarterbacks. But what do I know? I'm just a sports writer. All I'm saying is that Oklahoma this year is probably going to win the Big Ten outright. Yes, it was against Houston, but it was a very good Houston team with a quarterback prospect that will probably be drafted very highly in the NFL, even if he gets converted to wide receiver or he actually stays and plays quarterback. Houston is going to be a good program. They always have a history of putting up good numbers, good teams, good players. So if I want to leave you with one thing and one thing only, everyone talks about Nick Saban being the best coach in college football. I don't doubt that. Davos Sweeney, same. Mark Richt at Georgia, yeah, because his years in Miami were close. Um, throwing Pete Carroll back at USC. You can go back as it was Woody Hayes or Urban Meyer at Ohio State or Florida. But we need to start talking about Lincoln Riley. Bob Stoops got lucky as hell that the BCS screwed over Miami in 2000. Because then they sent Florida State to play Oklahoma. We know how bad that turned out. Yeesh. Oklahoma massacred Florida State. But basically, Oklahoma, this may be the best pad coach they've had since uh, Barry. Lincoln Riley, if God forbid he gets a defense in that in that system, oh, good Lord. Because he could turn me and Kevin into Heisman quarterbacks. That's all I got. I was just blown away watching the Oklahoma game, and I had to give my little love fest there to Lincoln Riley because basically he's probably the he's an offensive genius, and basically that man becomes an NFL coach. He could turn basically Blake Bortles into a Super Bowl MVP. But that's all we got. Um, that's all for us. You guys got anything else? No. Nah. All righty. So this is gonna be it for the week. But starting next week, we'll be doing two episodes a week, plus the column that I will post with our picks. Um, on, Of course, our first show of the week is when I rag on the two of them for losing to me in picks. Mark occasionally will join us. Jack O'Hara might submit a guest pick or two. We even have a couple of other belly up guys stop by to talk. Um, so stay tuned for Corner Booth. Of course, follow us on IG and Instagram. And check out the new intro and outro that I dropped for this new episode. It's great. I worked my tail on. Also, shout out to my man, Teddy Golden of the rap group Searching for Sasquatch. He helped me produce this, this whole thing. It, it came out amazing. It, even as simple as it was with 30 seconds, you'd be surprised how hard audio production is. So let's give that a little shout out there. By the way, check out their EP, Cabin Fever, on iTunes and Spotify. Now, I'm Jared. She's Savannah. He's Kevin. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.